You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. Uh, this is Series 5, Episode number, I'm going to say 11, for Friday, the 10th of uh, November, 2023. J.J. Sefton is here with you, along with my good friend, co-blogger, and colleague, CBD, as well as returning our regular good friend, co-blogger, and colleague, the great Joe Mannix. Gentlemen, good morning to you both. Good morning. It's a, a lovely overcast day here in northern New Jersey. Uh, you know, not, not much is going on. Um, I'm waiting for the snow, which is always exciting for me. Uh, hopefully we'll have a, a significant snowstorm this year so that I can I can uh, use my very expensive, very large, and completely unused snowblower. But uh, that's a complaint that most people uh, don't really give a shit about. So anyway, how are you doing, Joe? <laughs> Doing real well. Good morning. Thanks for having me as always. And a good Veterans Day observed to um, all y'all and everyone listening. Ditto. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so obviously the, the situation continues, uh, the, the war in uh, in Gaza with the IDF. And I was just telling uh, the fellas before we went on the air a little bit of good news. I mean, aside from, you know, the Netanyahu, I guess, having his uh, arm twisted into at least giving a little bit of a ceasefire every day for humanitarian purposes, which is kind of ridiculous because it's a war. Um, but the good news is I was on uh, Gateway Pundit this morning and there was a beautiful picture, apparently, of the IDF really moving in for the kill in Gaza and surrounding the, the animals in their lair. And there was a bunch of soldiers on top of the mosque with the Israeli flag being uh, being displayed proudly on top of a mosque. And while they were playing through the loudspeakers, uh, instead of the Muslim call to prayer, which I can't stand, uh, the Hatikva as well as the Shema. And that was uh, supposedly so that the, the, the hostages, I imagine if they're still alive, uh, God bless them, can hear it and sort of lift their spirits. But that's a great sight, and uh, hopefully it enrages the Islamic world because it's a humiliation for them, and, and they deserve that at the very, very least. Well, they Absolutely. certainly do, and, and yeah. that's. And, uh, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to concur. Absolutely, and just as a comment on these periodic sort of short-term ceasefires, one thing I've read is about what this might actually be, and it might have nothing to do with the U.S. or State Department or international the international community or what have you. And and I don't know. This is all speculative, right? Is that it's um, there basically controlled pauses to allow people who are currently being held hostage, Palestinians, uh, not Israelis, uh, basically the the human shields that Hamas is keeping, an opportunity to flee um, under Israeli guard. So I don't know if that's actually true, but it is one potential explanation that would put a slightly different color on that activity. Yeah, I did hear a story, though, that, uh, and, and this is totally unsurprising, uh, you know, one of the one of those shocked headlines that Hamas is literally uh, killing its own citizens to use them as uh, photo- photographic props to claim the Israelis are killing civilians. I know we're all shocked by that. I mean, but it is kind of disgusting and, and you know typical. But you know, what, what can you do? Yeah, well, whatever the purpose. That's yeah. exact. That that's the modus operandi for for years and years and years. These are savages. Uh, you know, uh, Douglas Murray pointed out in an interview in the last couple of days that, um, and this has been pointed out by other people, but he did it rather eloquently, and that is that uh, at least the Nazis uh, tried to hide their crimes, but the Hamas animals, the the Gazan animals, uh, were joyful. They were proud. They 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 called their parents to to crow about what they had just done, and uh, I th- I think that. Unfortunately, Israel is losing the media war right now, but uh, that is exactly the sort of stuff that needs to be publicized um, as often as possible. The, the, yeah. This is a radical difference between cultures. This is the East, uh, um, this is the West versus the rest of the world, the rest of the savage world. And the I, th- I think it's obvious, I think it's stark. And and the idea that that most people in the West are burying their heads in the sand is terrifying to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I reported this morning there was, you know, there was a, uh, you know, on, on the very day, 85 years to the day of Kristallnacht, these animals, uh, you know, Gal Gadot. Did it go quiet? 
Yeah, that was my fault. I'm, I, I tried to mute myself because I had to cough, and I muted everybody. I apologize. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, sorry about that. I, I'm, okay. Listen, it's I'm okay. technologically challenged. Stop giving me shit. <laughs> All right. Well, could have Look, there was Hamas was infiltrating, and they they, they yeah. shut up shut up those Jews. <laughs> But anyway, this is, you know, Israel, it's a lost cause for Israel to try to even win a PR war because, I mean, the world is completely against them, you know, no matter what. But that said, I mean, you are absolutely right. And it's kind of chilling in a way that and weirdly ironic that we have to sort of give Nazis credit for at least they tried to hide hide what they were doing. But I mean, you know, it's 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 a bizarre kind of a statement to make, but because they're doing almost exactly the same thing, really the exactly the same thing that Hamas is doing. But Hamas is growing about it and everybody is like, you know, okay, let me let's do it. There was this one Palestinian psychopath, which I believe the Israelis uh, captured. She's a a Palestinian, quote unquote, woman or she's a model or something in in, in Arab Vogue or whatever it is. And she literally was, was, was talking about we want to kill all the Jews you know, and drink their blood and smash their skulls. And I mean, it's crazy. And, and, you know, you go from that and you go, okay, this is, and people were cheering this on. And it's, you know, and I had this morning at four white kids up in the Upper East Side who were seen spraying literally anti-Semitic remarks on a rooftop somewhere. And so, you know, where do we go with this? It's, you know, it's, it's disgusting and frightening at the same time. Yep. And, I think to what you mentioned in, in CBD before you, Israel losing the media war, I think just take that as granted, as a given. Um, yeah. Israel is not going to win the media war. The um, international press complex is thoroughly anti-Israel. It has been my entire life, um, and it will continue to be. So I, I certainly hope that the international propaganda is not factoring into Israel's strategy because that's not a conflict they're going to win. But on the the topic of the other piece of this, and it's sort of tied together, which is Hamas's gloating over what they've done and, and doing it very, very publicly, um, as opposed to what we saw out of Nazi Germany, who's the target audience for that, right? The, the Germans understood um, for all their other faults that they were living in a a western context and that's who they were putting on the show for um they weren't really guilty about what they did but they knew that their their neighbors would probably um be rather horrified by their barbarism the show hamas is putting on is not for the west the show hamas is putting on is for the other um distributed so-called palestinians and the and to a lesser degree but still very much there its neighbors and friends in the Muslim world and, you know, the other Arab states, Iran, um, to a lesser degree, probably Turkey. That's who that show is for. That show isn't for us. And that's why we're not seeing that show. Um, generally speaking, the press is suppressing it. It doesn't get talked about a lot. If you're a wonk or you're following it very closely, like those of us here and in our audience are and do, then you'll be able to to see that but if you stretch a net across the street most of the people probably won't really know about it i think it's a very yeah, good but, point but the yeah. but the uh, i think the issue is that tears. for the for the great unwashed you know for the vast majority of people who consume news via tiktok um some of that is leaking out and yet it is still yes. accepted as as just you know part of the the revolutionary behavior of of a of a downtrodden people and that's what concerns me most of all this is what decolonization looks like cbd yeah that's exactly what i was i was gonna gonna say Steve. it's a great point i mean the fact is yes as joe as you said as you stated sure it's for the muslim world and it's this is you know they're they're only doing what they've been uh taught to do for the past 1600 years and doing it with modern equipment, so to speak, or modern equipment plus rusty knives. But the fact that it's being either cheered on or completely excused by um, university students, uh, other people, other so-called enlightened Westerners uh, is absolutely, that is truly chilling and truly horrifying, which is why I bring up the, the, the point of those four little, little, prepubescent chuckleheads you know uh, scrolling uh, you know swastikas on rooftops on the upper east side because it's a very short walk from doing that to literally rounding people up and killing them and going and doing violent behavior uh, if you think your cause is just you'll do anything uh, 
And there was a great, you know, there's a great documentary by a wonderful, wonderful historian, uh, Christopher. Ooh, I forget his name, but he basically did an entire a book called uh, a Police Battalion 101, How Ordinary Men Became Killers. And it's about German, ordinary Germans who are police, uh, policemen or not, or just regular people who became part of the Einsatzgruppen and day after day shot hundreds or thousands of Jews into mass graves uh, after the invasion of the Soviet Union. And these are just regular people. And it's as easy as one, two, three. If you believe what you're doing is just, you will do anything. That's a fair point. And, uh, and it's, Brown, um, uh, his, Brown, yeah. Yeah, and, and history bears it out. Um, but there is one potential silver lining, and this might be me grasping at straws. I fully acknowledge that. Um, that this behavior, especially among the elite institutions, you know, the Harvards and the UPens of the world, um, is for the first time that their actual motivations and their actual attitudes have been on full display, uncensored for the American people to see. Um, so will that lead to a degree of shock and horror um, that will result in a cultural schism on the home front? I hope so. Um, I don't know that that will happen, but that is one potential outcome. Um, now that these, you know, the, the masks are indeed very much off. There's no way to hide what they what they've done and what they believe now. Um, now that doesn't mean that it pans out well, um, but obligate horror isn't necessarily uh, the only possible outcome. Um, I I have to disagree with you. I think that the mainstreaming of the the implicit message um, from Hamas and uh, and the rest of the uh, the anti-Israeli Arab world uh, has worked tremendously well. You know the TikTok is running 10 to 1 or 100. I forgot the number, but it's a, a an incredible multiplier of the pro-Israeli versus anti-Israeli uh, talks. I don't even know what they call TikTok uh, reels. Um, and as I said, that's where the great unwashed uh, get their news. And um, I think that that is overwhelming. Whatever... Um, you know, Western idea of of appropriateness uh, in in battle and in in uh, in war, and uh, I you know I, I I hate to be I hate to sound this this defeatist, but I really do think that uh, this is the beginning of the end of of Western support for or significant Western support for Israel. You know, it very well might be. Yeah, um, the, what I was. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, JJ. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say just to your, to your point, CBD on the and Joe, your, your points, uh, both the positive and the negative. Yes, on the one hand, politically here in this country, it really has exposed and it's created such a huge rift within the Democrat leftist uh, party between the traditionalists who supported, you know, generally support the state of Israel, and the, you know, the crazies who support the death of every Jew on the planet, meaning uh, the Ilhan Omars and, and uh, Rashida Rancidas of, of this world. Uh, but on, on, the, on the negative side of that, all this is happening, you know, is going on in the midst of an election. And the, the biggest concern for, you know, for people that should be a party that is, that is, that is cheering this on is uh, abortion. And you go, and you just have to freaking shake your head and go, my God, people, it's, it's not a very, you know, it's a short distance to, between that issue. That issue is not necessarily uh, subordinate to the other issues and the other moral, social decay and rot, and now the cheering on of genocide of the people from your party. And to not understand that is just, uh, yeah, that's to, to you, CBD. It just it, it does not bode well for us over here, and certainly, um, you know, for the state of Israel. But that said, devil's advocate again. Places like France, places like Italy, and even in Sweden, where it's almost based in a Muslim society now, thanks to this immigration, migration, whatever it is, of open borders that they've that they've been doing for for decades now, they're seeing uh, they're reaping a very bitter harvest, and, it, and it's probably too late for them. But at least they're opening their eyes to it. So, uh, if maybe their 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 antipathy towards Jews might be tempered by what the Muslims in their midst are doing to them, but um, I don't know. The jury is out on that one. 
and and that's more akin to the the schism I was talking about, and, and I realize I was probably um, I failed to articulate it well, so I'll try again. Is not necessarily that this has any positive effect or or meaningful change with regard to the state of Israel, um, but I'm talking a the a more a wider cultural schism domestically. Um, and that has the potential to um, cause lots of negative and unpleasant outcomes domestically. But if it also causes a, a wider drift, um, whatever you want to call it, you know, traditional America versus contemporary or rural versus urban or red versus blue, whatever have you, um, if it if it causes that gap to widen, um, that might actually improve things overall in the in the longer term again i don't know it could all be wish casting um but i was i was thinking more specifically about the domestic environment than support for israel going forward okay so. I, now i understand your point and 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 that you know listen um that's that might be just uh you know more more data that shows that show that uh america is drifting apart um and will soon split and and that and that gap is huge. You know the the number of sixty of people who are older than sixty five who support Israel is you know it's like seventy five or eighty percent something like that. And the people and the number of people uh, younger than thirty who support Israel is less than fifty percent. And that's a huge huge split. And um, it's as you say, it's just it's one more indication of of that schism. But let me I want to I want to mention something. Um, JJ, you you were talking about abortion. Um, and uh, and I've said this again. Listen, I am I am anti-abortion. I am pro-life, but the Republican Party needs to consolidate its significant win with the destruction of Roe v. Wade and shut the fuck up for five or ten years. We need to stop making abortion front and center in every single race because we're gonna lose. And yeah, it sounds nasty and it sounds cruel and it sounds like I am, you know, real politic over the the obvious moral failings of people who support abortion. But we're talking about the soul of the country right now. And that is more important. Well, I will say this. I agree with you. And I think it's a similar I'll, with a caveat. I agree with you totally, completely on that and 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 strategically and, open, and the overarching issue of abortion. But similarly to what we were talking about vis-a-vis the press and uh, and the state of Israel never getting a fair break, even if we were to shut up completely about abortion for the next however you know, many election cycles, the left is never going to let go of that. They're going to keep beating us over the head with it. So what has to be done is we have to learn how to play a jujitsu, if you will, with the press with that issue to force it back on them so that it's so that it they, it loses the strength that that it potentially has. And that I, means I you understand know, your point. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna they're not gonna let it go. You know, they're not gonna let it go right. regardless of uh, and and Joe Manick said several months ago when we were talking about this very same issue, it might have been last year, I don't recall, but he said that there are ways to to manage this in um in in the media and i mean joe i'm probably misquoting you and you'll probably say it better than i but simply responding to the questions from the media by saying you know this is this is has gone back to the states so this really has nothing to do with the federal government and we need to we need to give the power back to the people when it comes to abortion next question that's what yeah, we and that you know, i was about to say something similar because it's um from a national platform, from a national policy level, CBD, I agree with you. Um, from the local and state side, uh, the, and I do think that's what the national platform should be, is this is a state issue. So we're not going to pursue anything at the federal level. This is not a federal issue. Um, but then when you get down to that state level, it comes about picking your battles and biting off what you think is a winnable chunk of territory. So I think one of the the lessons to be learned out of the elections this past week in Ohio um, and out of Kansas earlier is 
don't treat it as don't try to push too far or in places where you aren't going to win soften those territories up for a while so whereas you could probably find it politically viable or even politically favorable to pursue really aggressive abortion restriction in a place like say missouri um that may not be true in a place like ohio and trying to do it is just going to make you lose and get the opposite law the one you really don't want in, enshrined into enshrined into the state constitution like what happened in ohio so i think where it on the the abortion front just take it off the table from the federal standpoint and make lindsey graham sit down and shut up next time he tries to turf an election for us and then leave it up to the states and then it needs to be up to the the state parties in the state um the state political organizations to say what can we get away with here what how far can we we push and just treat it like the dems did they didn't get to uh, abortion up to the moment of birth overnight and we're not going to get it off that point overnight either but we can ratchet it down over time and that's where the state parties need to step up and rationally assess how far should we take try to take this right now and if the answer in some state is we shouldn't touch it at all right now well then okay um and and live to fight another day we don't need than i could yeah no, he, he we don't need a unified <laughs> policy but to, his, to, yeah, yeah, and to your point uh, about Lindsey Graham, can we just please address him up like a rabbi and drop him into Gaza? Because this guy needs to fucking shut the fuck up and go to hell because he purposely did this to sabotage our election in 2022. That I mean, whatever the Dalman Yen crap going on, him opening his mouth did more to destroy to destroy the what would have been a red wave than anybody else. And here's our other problem. We have people, we have enemies within the wire, so to speak, in the GOP. And they are doing everything to fuck up this election, regardless of whether it's Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy, you name it. They do not want uh, you know, any kind of a reform candidate, whether it's a MAGA candidate or however you want to describe them, to, to, to get in the way of their grift. They don't care if Democrats gain in power and destroy the country because it preserves their, their seat at the trough. And they'll do this time and time again. And it's just so damn maddening. And I wish Donald Trump and I wish Ron DeSantis and Ramaswamy or, or even or Nikki Haley's, I can't stand her either, but that's another story. I wish the leading candidates would just get up and articulate this you know, clearly and plainly so that everybody can hear it. Yes, the distortions and the and the embargoing by the media notwithstanding. But God, Lindsey Graham, I just want to freaking God hurl him into a volcano. I'm so sick of him. And now he's beating the war drums against Iran, which let me tell you something. I'd love Iran, the mullahs, to get knocked off because if you knock them off, then a lot of this crap in the world goes away. But at the same token, what he's aiming for there and in the Ukraine is is literally starting World War Three, and we ain't prepared to fight the we're not even prepared to fight a you know a barroom brawl, let alone World War Three. Thanks to the the crap that's that's gone on, my rant is now over. Well, that's a great segue into our next topic, which is um, Rona. What's her name? Rona Romney McDaniel Rona Romney and her, her her pathetic her pathetic multi year performance uh, as the head of the uh, Republican National Committee. Um, she is awful beyond compare. Uh, Donald Trump made a huge mistake. Um, even mildly supporting her for re-election, and her her continuing failure should be a signal to the Republican uh, rank and file that she needs to be replaced, and she needs to be replaced right now. She's Michael Steele with tits, basically. I mean, she's totally freaking useless. The one bright spot from that ridiculous clown boner of a, of a, of a debate number three, which thank you, Ronan Rom- Romney McDaniel, you had an, you had an NBC hack moderating it which is i mean that's at this point you know it's just a joke with that crap but anyway uh, supposedly ronna ronna mcdaniel i mean vivek ramaswamy whatever you think of him he went off on the media and he went off on the moderator for pimping the russia collusion hoax and it was a wonderful thing to see so i applaud him for that and supposedly off mic uh, vivek ramaswamy i mean uh, ronna mcdaniel was like called him an asshole and hated his guts which for me that's an endorsement so Good work, Vivek. Uh, thank you for that one. Yep. And what what Rana or Rona, I don't know, um, McDaniel is doing. And it's the same game that Mitch McConnell plays. It's the same game that Kevin McCarthy played before he got his ass handed to him by Matt Gates. Is they are 
in it for themselves and their own objectives. They don't really care about the base in so insofar as they think about the base at all. They would rather that the base not be there. Um, they actively dislike them in, as much as they, they think about them at all. And the game that the GOP is playing here, um, and because they're making it very, very clear, we don't care about policy objectives. What we care about is status quo and feathering our nests. And if you do care about that, you have no place in the GOP and we will not listen to you. And okay, they're the party. They can do that. The risk of that is that this is how political parties die. And the way the United States government works is it's effectively always going to be a two-party system. Um, however, the there's no saying that it has to be these two parties. And it's happened before that one of the major political parties simply dies and gets replaced. It happened with the Whigs. And if this keeps up, it will happen with the GOP and the, the GO there's, it's harder to do now than it was in the 19th century because so much stuff like in law assumes the existence of the Republican party. Um, but this is the, the road will go down again. And the last time we went down this road, it ended in a civil war. Um, this, you know, the, the death of a major political party is a fairly big deal when you only ever have two of them. And, McDaniel is and her her cohort there in the GOP are playing a very dangerous game because this game ends not with their victory over the base, but with the death of their party. It, it won't happen today and it won't happen tomorrow, but it will happen eventually if they keep this up. And then there's a major fight and a new party and potentially a war or there's no second party because the fact that there's only ever been one party for a long time now will simply become the norm. But this is the game that they're playing. That's a great point. Um, and to to that end, uh, you mentioned that um, that that they care nothing about policy. But what's interesting about the Democrat poly, party is they care very much about policy because they have entwined policy and the the acquisitiveness, the feathering the nest of the uh, of the elite with policy. So they use that to their advantage, which is a, a much much more grown-up way of stealing from the american people they're good they're better at it than than the republicans the republicans are content with the crumbs the democrats want policy and they want wealth yeah well yeah it's because they're the dominant power right the dems get get policy and as a result maximize grift the the gop acquiesces to policy and therefore maximizes grift yeah it's a permanent it's a permanent low power position with, with the, you know, with, with the left, it's basically everything is ideologically driven to basically destroy the United States as it was founded and the, the money and all the other stuff that goes to them. Yeah. It's perks and also, and all of it, a lot of it also goes to, um, goes to those groups, whether they are non-governmental supposedly operators or, you know, charitable things. And they're totally, you know, sub subversive political organizations that follow through on the grassroots level to make those things happen, whether it's in business or whether it's in academia or, or wherever it may be. And so the, the problem with, is that America, or at least the, the base of the, of the Republican Party, supposedly, or it was, at least that's what we're, we're all about, is we want freedom. We want you know, the, the, the Constitution in place that limits the power of government. And that is antithetical for sure with the Democrats. And it's antithetical to, to the, the greed uh, factor of the GOP. They're in the Uniparty strictly to line, as you, as you guys say, to line their own nests and feather their own nests, and and they don't give a damn about about the base, and they just put on this show that they're oh my god, we, you know, the, the Democrats are going crazy. Put us in office, and we'll you know we'll we'll reverse everything, which is a total crock of shit. They they never they never objected going back to to Eisenhower. They never objected to the New Deal when Eisenhower was finally a Republican after you know whatever it was. Or however, 33, 20 years of Roosevelt and and um, and uh, Harry Truman, he never did anything to reverse the New Deal and didn't want to do anything. And from there, it metastasized and metastasized and kept growing and becoming the, the monster that it is today. And so that just tells you everything. It doesn't. This goes back a long way. And you were right. It's a it's a one. It essentially is a one party system. Even if the GOP dies and a new party is formed, 
because of the way things are structured with the bureaucracy now with the courts and, and so on and so forth, it's it's pissing into the wind. And I think, uh, Mannix, uh, Joe there, you are correct that uh, something has got to give. I mean, it's it probably, God forbid, will devolve either into some sort of a national divorce or you know, bloody or otherwise. Well, speaking of feathering one's nest, let's move on to the next topic, which is yes. good old Joe Manchin, um, the <laughs> sleazy, cocksucking piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I not supposed to say what I think? Say what you think, yes. From West Virginia, who has decided uh, to um, to give up his uh, his lovely lifelong seat in the United States Senate and um, go on a on a listening tour, apparently, which is, of course, just one more way of feathering his nest. He's going to toy with a probably going to toy with a uh, a run for president. Uh, he'll he'll collect ten or twenty or thirty million dollars from stupid donors, and then he will retire. Nice. And uh, in a way, I can even understand. I can understand Joe Manchin, I think. I can't say I admire him, um, but uh, I can see where he's coming from. He's his time has passed the so-called, you know, no, well, I forget the the name, the blue dog Democrat, I think is the, the expression. Um, that era is over. He is his state has shifted out from under him. Um, West Virginia became very much a red state uh, while he was able to hold on as that uh, phony sort of pseudo conservative Democrat archetype. Um, And it's he's getting old. His state has moved out from under him. He is going to have a very, very tough election his next time around. There's some good opposition to him in West Virginia. Um, There is something to be said for acknowledging the reality on the ground and choosing to go out on top on your own terms. And I can sort of even see why Manchin is doing it. He's going to do this phony listening tour. Um, absurd. Get a little bit more. Get keep that name recognition up. Maybe he does a phony presidential run in order to grift from his own campaign. Maybe he doesn't. He could just ride off into the sunset and laugh all the way to the bank. Um, and it's not so bad a way to go out, actually. Um, it, as compared to, you know, hanging on until you're literally a zombie husk like Diane Feinstein. Um, if your motivations are more money than power. Manchin's logic here makes a fair amount of sense to me. Yeah, he's not going to right. He he's he's leaving. You know, not also because of of uh, West Virginia turning very red. Uh, please God and stay that way. Uh, it's also because uh, his party has turned very very communist red, and so he has to sort of he was always had to now, especially over the last few years, uh, you know, walk a very very thin thinner and thinner tightrope between uh, appeasing his base in West Virginia or doesn't know what you know especially with the green new deal which seeks to destroy west virginia's only source of income which is coal and uh, appeasing the leftists in the party like you know he can't vote against them otherwise they ostracize him and marginalize him and probably would would even primary so it's yeah it's the natural thing for him to do is to get the hell out and you know that's it so it's bring kudos to him for recognizing that even if he wanted to stay i think he he knows if I believe his challenger, and I forgot the guy's name. Um, I think he's a Trump Trump uh, supported guy for sure. Um, he's ahead by double digits, and, and he's probably going to win it. So it's yeah, the writing was on the wall. Plus the fact that uh, unfortunately his his uh, counterpart in the Senate, the other senator is Shelley Moore Capito, I think, and she's a she's I believe a rhino squish. So she's you know, I mean, what's the difference between her and Joe Manchin really, except for the R and the D next to his name? Maybe if he would have changed to R, that might have made a difference. But I think the West Virginian uh, base is on to him and, and then just ready for a change. Yeah, who's who's probably going to get that seat? Was Isn't it the uh, the governor? Isn't he shooting for it? I believe so. I forget his name. He yeah, has a very, I forgot his name, too. Joe, do you have any idea? Name. You've got a better memory than we do. Yeah, but not good enough in this case. <laughs> You're not fast. You're not fast enough to go to Google. You know, come on now. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I would like to move on to a, a actually one of the one of the few uh, happy stories in um, in the uh, this almost universally depressing uh, news cycle that we we seem to be locked into, and that is that um, the there were a uh, group of photojournalists who apparently were embedded in in the Hamas terrorist attack on Israel, and uh, as far as I can tell. 
not only did they uh, keep it quiet, um, they seem to have participated in some way. Uh, there's at least one photograph of one of these photojournalists carrying a hand grenade, uh, which I think <laughs> is quite interesting. My guess is, of course, that they participated in much more brutal ways. Um, but Israel uh, announced that they're going to go after them. And uh, they might get knocked off, which is, I think, a delightful, a delightful way to start the weekend. Thinking about, uh, you know, a bunch of photojournalists who, who uh, up until yesterday thought that they were untouchable. But in fact, um, the Israeli Secret Service uh, is going to get their names and find out where they live and put bullets in their heads. And I think that's just wonderful. You know, I thought the good news you were going to give us was the was the increase in in uh, child syphilis, uh, infantile syphilis. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you give us Hamas yeah. journalists anyway. Mm-hmm. There was actually an article uh, at, at front page mag uh, the, on the blog side from Daniel Greenfield, and he said these guys, this isn't something new. Every the AP, CNN, and all the other um, uh, propaganda mills that that employed these guys, they knew exactly who they were and have known them for several years that they were Hamas operatives, you know, with ostensibly with cameras and notepads as well, along with their hand grenades and uh, rusty hacksaws. So uh, I, I certainly, it would be nice to see their heads on a pike, courtesy of the Mossad. And uh, hey, if, uh, if, an AP, uh, if an AP office or a CNN bureau somewhere gets, uh, <laughs> gets shot up a little bit, well, you know, you, know, you got to make an omelet by breaking a few eggs, right? Yeah. Yep. And I, I'm going to take a little bit of exception to something you said, CBD, just a okay. little, which is these photojournalists were not embedded with the Hamas attack on Israel. They were embedded with Hamas. These are these are Hamas people. These are members. Um, and yeah, the AP and CNN and all of the Western press complex has been paying them directly for their membership in Hamas is what it comes down to. Um, and yeah, the the fact that the Western press has been directly financially for years supporting a formally classified terrorist group is a fairly serious problem um, and one that will not be solved. But what will be solved, and I'm I'm extremely pleased, I was as pleased as you were to read the news that, yeah, Israel is apparently going to be applying the Munich solution to uh to these guys to everybody involved in the attack and the journalists so-called are not immune from that response um and the the only part i'm perhaps even looking forward to more is seeing how the press is going to spin it are they going to try the last the last time something like this happened when uh the saudis took out khashoggi is that are they going to is there just going to be screaming to the heavens for years every time one of these guys gets popped um because that might be a a bit amusing in its own right so that's another silver lining in the story at least from my standpoint you know, let's. I'll, I'll take you to the wayback machine to uh, 1990, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll run two names by you. One of them being or three names, uh, two names: Peter Arnett and Christian Amanpour. Ring a bell? I mean, obviously they weren't uh, necessarily, and then you get Walter Durante as well. I mean, they weren't exactly throwing hand grenades and shooting Scud missiles at Israel, but uh, you know, they were aiding and abetting in the propaganda of getting this, you know, they figured, well, it's better to, you know, to give the guy fellatio and to get the story than, than to not have the story at all. But this is a whole other level of, of just monstrous evil. And they need to go, I mean, these, it's, it's a joke. You got to go after them. They were there. They participated. They disseminated the propaganda. Yeah. Supposedly these fighters had the GoPros on fighters and thugs, murders, excuse me. God will get me for that one. They have the GoPros on them, but I mean, look, they're, they're embedded with them. They're getting all this, the footage and they're, they're reporting on it and they should go after them. And I forgot who was it. There was a, an exchange between, um, who the heck was it? It wasn't, it wasn't Molly Ball. It was one of these n- idiotic morons from the New York Times or the Washington Post who was freaking out that Israel said they were going to target them. And they're saying, you can't do that. They're journalists. And I forgot who it was, but it was yesterday. And she got her ass handed to him on Twitter X, which is which is a good thing. But yeah, Israel's got to just do it, and, just wipe them all out. Yep, and it it doesn't it doesn't matter that what what you just talked about this whole they're journalists you can't go after them. This is journalistic ethics. That's what we saw on display with this story. Uh, the fact that it happened at all. Um, speaking of the Wayback Machine, we can step in the Wayback Machine and go back to 1989. 
Um, and there was a, a PBS program called Ethics in America. And oh. in one of those episodes from 1989 involved um, a Marine, I believe Marine Colonel, if memory serves, but I don't remember his name for which I should be ashamed. Um, but it also involved um, Mike Wallace and Peter Jennings. And the oh. they were given you know a hypothetical scenario that was the Korean War. Right, an Oriental country split uh, south. This. Yes, go ahead. Side, right. Yeah. Um, they were given this hypothetical that if you knew that the northern communist forces were what? lying in ambush, waiting in ambush for American forces with whom you are embedded, would you give warning to the American commanders that you were working with? Why or why not? And Peter Jennings came out with, well, you know, of, of course I would have to. I mean, I'm I'm there with the the Americans. I would have to warn them. And and Mike Wallace raked him over the coals for that um, and and was very, very firm in his ass assessment that, no, of course not. I'm there to cover the story. I'm not an American in that context. I am a journalist. And of course, I must not. I have to get that story. And if that means that Americans are sent to their deaths, then so be it. And by the end of his his position on that um he of course brought the the weaker party party which was jennings around to his way of of thinking and he said it in plain language and in fairly calm language that we journalists are not americans we journalists would do nothing to save american lives in the context of war uh even if we knew for a fact that you were walking into an ambush this is journalistic ethics. This is their ethical ideal. This is who they are. So whatever the press has to say about their vaunted, great, honorable journalists is true. It's true to them on their own terms. I reject their terms. And they've given me very good cause to reject it for the last 30 years. And they, you know, that, 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 that fantastic. You're hundred percent correct. And, and what is even more frustrating to me is that they try to raise themselves to this, to, to this position of importance and this, this position of being the arbiters of all that is correct and all that is real and all that is important in the world. And it is, it is blatantly obvious that what they are doing is simply self-aggrandizement and trying to further their, their, their political beliefs. Um, but what what you've described makes them reasonable targets for an opposing army, for an opposing army in a war. Why would you not kill the journalists if they are if they are partisan? Then kill them. Absolutely. We talked. Yeah, we talked about this. I think with uh, Walsh. I think we. I've had, I had that raise that hypothetical. I mean, if if uh, the BBC. And uh, whoever it is is giving aid and comfort and succor to 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 uh, to the enemy, acting as de facto propagandists. I mean, the British executed Lord Haw Haw, you know, and we punished Tokyo Rose and Axis Sally. I don't think they they, got, they they were in prison, but I don't think they were killed. I mean, someone like a Christian Amanpour or whoever it is that is, you know, literally acting as a de facto mouthpiece for Hamas or whoever it is, it could very well be within Israel's right to 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 eliminate them uh, wherever they may be, whether they are embedded on the actual battlefield or not on the battlefield. Of course, what do you do world... about what do you do about a Hamas operative who's embedded in the United States Congress? Oh, well, there you go. They should be because well, Rashida Tlaib, other... right. however they pronounce that, that, that Harrison's name uh, exactly. has raised money for Hamas. I mean, through, through conduits and through cutouts, but she clearly was a, a Hamas operative. Uh, well, in, shit. You know, the, in the, the, the last part, you know, the, to look look at the videotape in 2015 or 2016. She's talking about her relationship with, with Hamas. No, absolutely. Maybe, maybe Israel should knock her off too. I wouldn't look. You know, there you go. That that's an interesting pickle. You know, it's not even. I mean, look. It's to me, it's clear cut. If she is raising money, and and it's you'd have to do it sort of on the down low or whatever. But I mean. And it, it, it raises an interesting, an interesting conundrum for me. 
I would love it if she if she uh, if she becomes worm food. That would not bother me in the least. But then again, look who we have also in Congress, her, her uh, pal, the brother fucker. She came to this country illegally. She lied about her immigration status. Right now, she should be literally stripped of, of her position in Congress, stripped of her citizenship, and sent the hell back to Somalia. The fact that she's still here is a whole other thing. But of course, yes, um, Hamas is a terrorist organization. And if she is raising money for terrorists... In that regard, or or mouthpiecing for them, shall we say, she's literally aiding and embedding a terrorist organization, and that is grounds not only for censure, which thank God they finally did do that in, in the House, but she should be removed and perhaps literally, well, she was born here. I don't know if you can strip her of citizenship, but she was born here, and so she has to be either thrown in jail or or at least getting gotten the hell out of Congress. Doesn't deserve it, but you're right. They should. They they theoretically, you know. They should be knocked off. But as far as these people with Hamas, these quote unquote journalists, as you say, CBD, if the guy is holding a hand grenade right there, right now, he's not a journalist at all. I mean, there are rules. That's why like people like Ernie Pyle had an armband, you know, when he went into battle on Okinawa or wherever, and he did not carry a weapon. He didn't carry a sidearm because you can't as a journalist, you're not allowed to do that. And it's also why we generally come down on the side of not arming medics. There are plenty of actually decently good reasons, purely defensive reasons, to arm medics. But if they're armed, then they're combatants. So we send them in unarmed. Apparently, that's um, and, not and that's, that's the, actually not correct. Sometimes, anyway. Yeah, I've. I've yeah. Uh, oh, really? Is that yeah. has the rule changed on that, or have uh, I always misunderstood? I, I think it? that it is dependent on the situation. Um, yeah. But again, oh. again, I am absolutely, uh, you know, I never served. I do not know. I don't have any current information. But what I have read, um, you know, f from people who should know, uh, it is it is fluid based on the uh, on the situation. But uh, let, let's let's move over to um, to an, another sort of uh, of um, fifth column, and that is in the United States State Department. Um, apparently, the State Department is in active revolt against the tepid support of the Biden administration, of Biden, uh, and a few of his, the people around him for the Israeli efforts to, to destroy Hamas. Um, apparently, a, a pretty significant guy resigned a week or two ago, and there are people who are, who are just who are spouting off right and left about how it's terrible and, and we should not be supporting Israel here and we should, you know, be much more humanitarian and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. So good. I'm glad if the State Department is is denuded of these freaks uh, or uh, to, to the extent that they can be. Bravo. But it's kind of it's ironic because they're kind of stupid. They don't see that Joe Biden is just basically showboating for the cameras and showboating for Israel because he kind of has to to placate a certain, uh, you know, perhaps the, the, the Jewish vote, such as it still crazily exists in the Democratic Party um, and that they can't see that. He's, he's literally talking out of two, two sides of his mouth here at this. But good. Let them leave to hell with them. It's in I mean, the State Department has been a hotbed of Jew hatred. Going back literally decades and decades, it, perhaps even into the Roosevelt administration, if not beforehand. But what they're doing is they act as their actions in helping out. You know, they have embeds that are actually Iranian nationals that are working or, or you know, immigrants from Iran. And they're working in the State Department. And they're literally, in the, along with the Red Chinese who are everywhere, apparently, both in academia and government and elsewhere, they're literally acting as spies for a regime that is out to destroy Israel and destroy us if it can. And they don't care. Like you said, CBD, we've talked about this many times. They're, they're desperate to give Iran a nuclear weapon and to make Iran the regional power in the Middle East and to take it away for, for whatever it is, for balance or some BS nonsense, Jew hatred, uh, you know, and take Israel away from that position. And so this is no surprise. And if they want to leave, hey, look, get the hell out and don't let the door hit you on the, on the way out. Well, I mean, look Except at Except I don't think it's going to happen. No, that's true. I think so most the, of them are going to stick around. Yep. Yeah, so the State Department, if we want to go back, let's call it at least FDR, has always had two parallel missions. One is to harm the United States of America, and the other is to support and back the party. Um, the the State Department are died in the wool party men, um, have been for a long time. And this game that they're playing right now is the same game that they played on Donald Trump. 
Um, so this is a very, very familiar playbook to anyone who was paying attention since the, the Trump administration, which wasn't that long ago, which is the executive does something that they're not happy with. So they make this sort of whisper campaign. They, they write memoranda that they decline to classify so they can be sure that it will leak. And they speak anonymously to their cutouts in the, in the various press institutions, um, in the, the hopes of, bullying the executive into changing his mind. Where the difference is going to be is once the party sorts out what it wants, because right now I don't think the party is aligned on what to do about this recent war, current war in Israel, um, because there are a lot of, there's a lot of anti-Israeli sentiment and a lot of uh, outright Jew hate within the party. There is okay, Joe, also- uh, let, me, uh, let me stop hold, you for one yep. second. Hold, hold that thought. Yep. One of the one of the significant problems in the Democrat Party right now is that that they they have loyal Jewish Democrats who control a huge amount of money that goes into the coffers of the Democrat Party, and they another piece are being a little bit uh, they're a little upset about the virulent Jew hate that you've just described. I just wanted to, to throw that out. And please finish. Yep, finish absolutely, your absolutely. That's one of the and that's one of the other factors. So you have the virulent hate, or even just Israel hate. Uh, depending on your perspective within the party. That's a big faction. You have the big Jewish donor class, which you're describing, which is real and is another factor. And then you also have a bunch of other groups. You have the pragmatists and you have the realpolitikers and and all of that. So the, I don't think the party is really fully aligned on what to do with Israel yet. So they're trying to play it both ways. Once the party decides Oh, then Biden is going to do as he's told and change it. And then all of these people in and let's assume that the party decides that they're going to continue supporting Israel. And I think there's a, a distinct possibility that that happens. All of these people in the State Department, they're not going to quit. They're just going to shut up and they're going to fall in line and they're going to do their job um, because that's what the party said to do. And that's where this playbook is going to differ against what they did to Donald Trump, because so far this looks like a carbon copy of what they did to him. Where it will change is once the party figures out what it wants to do, all of that noise will stop and they will fall in line and follow their orders. They won't be flagrantly disobedient for the next several years. Here is the here is the random element, if you will, that will that, that should add a, another interesting wrinkle to this is the fact that uh, Joe Biden's age and his dementia and all the crap about uh, his crime family dealings with Hunter Biden are really being allowed in the media and elsewhere to percolate up and cause quote unquote concern, if you will, with the Democrats, because it seems that there is a contingent, probably a pretty big contingent that do not want Biden running for reelection for myriad reasons, which we don't have to go into. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to pose an interesting, another interesting wrinkle to this, to this, you know, what the State Department, what the party, what the Democrats are going to do with Israel and what it'll force Biden to do. Um, but you, you never know. I mean, if they wanted to do go X and he, he decides to go Y because he wants to, if he has enough brain capacity to figure out that, you know, he doesn't want to be, have his strings pulled anymore. Uh, yeah, this could cause some very interesting, uh, uh fireworks to happen. Uh, over the next uh, however many a uh, couple of weeks or days or whatever it might be especially yeah, but, now you know, that we're getting uh, into you know good i i have to agree with with joe i think that they're going to consolidate they're going to do what they have always done which is um which is create a a single voice um and it and it does two things it furthers their policy goals and uh it enriches them we talked about this uh you know a couple of segments ago um, let me, let me, and they're let, they're let simply they they know what they're going to do. They just haven't they just haven't told everybody yet. Let me let me ask you this, as my friends in uh, in Brooklyn would say. Um, so okay, so let's say they do consolidate around. They finally decide, okay, we're going to quote unquote support the state of Israel. Uh, the uh, the aforementioned uh, Rashida Talib and Ilhan Brofo and and uh, Alexandria Titikaka Cortez and all of them are going to blow a freaking gasket. Uh, or are they just going to shut up or what are they going to do? I think if that it bless, the, if I, a, go ahead, Joe, if a gasket blows and there's nobody there to report it, did it actually happen? Good point. Yeah. But I think <laughs> that they're going to get a lot of what they want. I think that the, the, yeah. the tone, the tone is so anti-Israel right now that they're probably going to get most of, of what they want. So, yeah, so I it's think more they're going to try to square the circle. 
Yeah, <laughs> they won't. They will do everything like they won't refuse to support Israel or cut it off or cancel our various military cooperations and, and alliance activity. But they might, you know, throw in the towel and call for a ceasefire and demand a hundred gazillion dollars for Palestinian aid and whatever else. Um, and they might try to they might try to square the circle, which is if I were a betting man uh, where I'd probably bet that they will try to do yeah so let's uh let, let's take a short break and when we come back um i've got um a bunch of very very short topics that i would love to hear comments about from uh sefton and maddox back in a flash don't you dare go nowhere round right now. This is addressed to Joe Mannix. Supposedly Jeffrey Katzenberg claims that AI is going to slash 90% of animation jobs in Hollywood in the next three years. How do you feel about that? I think it's unfortunate because it means that development will effectively stop. Um, but Hollywood has not gone out of its way to uh, produce a profitable product. So um sucks for the hollywood animators i suppose <laughs> i was hoping yeah, you were going to say yippee but uh <laughs> okay so I, I, sefton yes um jezebel just shut down i don't know if you're familiar with uh the far left lunatic lunatics over at jezebel i, I they, thought you were referring to i thought you were referring to betty davis and her wonderful performance and, oh yeah, yeah she was fantastic yeah he was fantastic yeah um, hey, uh, you know, yes, I'm. Uh, I, I'm saying I'm. I'm chanting the uh, uh, saying cottage for them now as we speak. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. They can die in a fire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like to hell with them. That's like this is a controversial thing. A left wing propaganda bill goes under, and you want my reaction? Come on, CBD. Give me something. Uh, give me something. Give me something that's not controversial. <laughs> okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. Then so let's ask Joe Maddox. What do you think about Jezebel? <laughs> I mean, I know you read them, hip. or used to at least, so. <laughs> yeah. Hip, hip, hooray. Of all of these, of all of these terrible, horrible, no good, very bad leftist online rags, Jezebel was up there in the highest echelon of awful. And it's a fate they richly deserve, and I hope none of them ever work again. Like at anything, like under the bridge kind of situation would be a, a fate richly deserved. It's okay, that's that's the kind of response I'm looking for. So the <laughs> next one I think is wonderful, and I'm going to address this to, to Joe Mannix because he's he's far more analytical than Sefton or I. Um, and that is that uh, Bob uh -oh. Iger has talked about another $2 billion in cuts at Disney. Um, obviously, the the bean counters have just freaked the fuck out at disney that their that their their current uh, business plan is, is unsustainable yeah so um it, it's fine he's got to buy hulu right but i think from the the recent walt disney company earnings call there is nothing to worry about after all bob Iger did say on that call that disney is the most popular brand not as an advertiser but in terms of content they're tiktok's most profitable brand so all is well Oof. Ouch. You know, you know, just just to, just to comment on that, and to also comment on, um, you know, the, the the previous comment about about AI and animation, all that kind of stuff. It's really, you know, it, it is sad. I've I've also I've spent thirty years or, or more in in show business as a writer and among other things, and I've always had a love for the American cinema and the American arts and American creativity because at one point it was really like everything else i mean that's what made america great was was an industry that we essentially invented and in a short period of time a very short period of time it was absolutely laid low lane waste and just destroyed even before the whole woke thing kicked in you had uh, studios and artistic uh, people no longer running the show and it was run by people with mbas and and legal degrees and and uh, films were greenlit by committee all right, so on and so forth. So that led to just a general 
you know, making you know, Rocky 5000 and remakes after remakes after remakes. But the whole woke thing just freaking put the stake through the heart of what was a wonderful industry. And unfortunately, it's a microcosm of uh, of the country itself. I mean, we used to be great at everything and now we're just we're horrible. And it's just it's it's a sad commentary. It really is. And for you people know, who are creative, creative people, it is. It's not good, but there you go. So, from a personal perspective, um, you know, I don't, I don't care that much about about the movie industry. I, I, as as many people have said, they can die in a fire. That's fine. Um, but you know, go back even fifteen years ago, and and some of the some of the Marvel movies were quite good. I thought I enjoyed Iron Man and maybe even Iron Man Two and and the the early Avengers movies. They were really fun. You know, I'd sit and and watch this this grand shoot 'em up and and enjoy it and it wasn't overtly political and it and I nobody was hammering me with a message but they fucked that up I don't do that anymore and that's you know listen a- entertainment can move in many many directions and I don't particularly care right now so I read more you know no big deal but it, it is sad that they 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 took a, a casual consumer of their product and turned the, her, turned him off completely 100% and it's it, it, it's a it's an unforced goal. Yeah, you know, just just to add just just to add on to that, and the, the danger is, well, you know, CBD and Joe and you and I, we always have, you know had the backlog of okay, we can only just watch a film on DVD, but now that they're that they're censoring and and bodlerizing things like everything from the French Connection to to Kill a Mockingbird to you name it, uh, you know, then they 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 won't stop. They're just gonna. They're going, you know, it's a nightmare. We they'll never they'll never give us a moment's peace, and it's just beyond the tragedy. That's just that's just an insomnia, as I used to say. So I've got a couple more. One of them is a is just a glorious thing, and that is that uh, Marilyn Mosby um, was ah. found guilty in federal court of two counts of perjury, I believe. Um, and uh, she might go to jail, which is just a lovely, lovely thing. That is a lovely thing. She's uh. I believe she is a Soros DA, if I'm not mistaken. And if she isn't a Soros DA, it doesn't matter because everything she does is basically anti-American, anti-law, uh, racialist in its in its motivations. And she was there when uh, when the rioting happened. And I don't know if she was the one that was, or maybe it was the one from DC, which the space to destroy, or was that Kim Gardner? I forget who the hell. Well, it was. I mean, they all they all read from the same playbook, so it doesn't really Ex- matter exactly. So yeah. whether or not she actually really suffers no more than maybe a wrist slap or, you know, quietly gets, you know, probation after, after everything has died down, uh, who knows? I, I, I would suspect that, you know, the cynic in me would say that that's what will happen. Yeah. But in any event, couldn't well, if it is a real prison sentence, couldn't happen to a nicer person. So the last one. And uh, either way, she's gone. Yes. Bingo. Exactly. Well, who, so the last one. Who, who replaces me. I'm sorry. Say that again. Who replaces who replaces her? That's the yeah, problem. Somebody possibly <laughs> marginally better. Anyway, the last one is uh, yesterday, protesters tried to shut down BlackRock's headquarters in New York City. And, <laughs> you know, all I can think of is uh, the Apostle, I think it's the Apostle Paul saying, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. BlackRock is um, an investment firm that is a, I think it's the, the world's largest asset manager. Um and they have been as caustic a presence in America as any other corporation I can think of. And the fact that the their their lunatic leftist uh, supporters think that they are insufficiently leftist is just marvelous to me. I hope that they protest at the at the BlackRock headquarters for the next hundred years. I will BlackRock say this: is going to learn a lesson they could have gotten for free. Yeah. <laughs> Remember back when BLM and Antifa were rioting in Atlanta and they descended on the CNN headquarters and the CNN people were effectively, but were on your side. Yeah. They yeah. could have learned this one for free. Well, you know what happened yesterday? This was, this was probably even more delicious than BlackRock and see, well, it's close to CNN. Uh, the Hamas uh, supporters uh, went up to the New York times headquarters and were protesting and banging on the doors. And they were complaining. This has got to be the funniest thing I've ever heard. They were complaining that the New York Times is too pro-Israel. <laughs> I'm going, oh, my God. The New York Times? 
Oh Lord, have mercy! But you know, it, you know, it's too bad they didn't uh, corner them in, a, in an attic and uh, threaten to slice their heads off. But uh, you know, but there you have it. But that was kind of a delicious irony. So there you go. They've unleashed the beast, and uh, they sowed the wind, and the whirlwind shall ye, shall be reaped. I hope. All right, folks, we're running late, so uh, I think that uh, without further ado, we're gonna call this uh, call an end to this uh, hour of chat. Um, Joe Maddox, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure, as always, um, and I really appreciate your, your take on things. Um, and hopefully we'll get you back and uh, we can uh, talk about something uh, a little more cheerful. This has been sort of a uh, depressing uh, litany today. Anyway, Sefton, what do you got? Yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully have you back and we'll discuss, uh, you know, infantile uh, syphilis. That's a very cheerful topic. <laughs> anyway, for CBD and for Joe Mannix, it's JJ Sefton for the Cut Kid News Radio Network around the nation, uh, across the globe, and up your street. Uh, people, thank you so much for hitting our tip jar. We really appreciate it. It really helps us keep the lights on and, and uh, keep the cards and letters coming. And we will see you again on the next one uh, early next week. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah.